The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea when I'm tossed it sends out a light that I might see and the light that shines in If it wasn't for the lighthouse. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Maybe in no subject would you preach any more pertinent to where we're at today. People have looked for the second coming of Jesus Christ since the apostles. I think with all my heart from what I've read that they've said, that they looked for the coming of Christ. They looked for the rapture. They looked for his coming for them. Uh, Paul thought it would be within his lifetime, no doubt in my mind. He did not think he'd experience death. I've buried a few people who did not believe they were going to die. That will not save you, however. Uh, this one woman I buried, of course, the children said she told us that God told her that she would be raptured and not die. I said she lied. That was Granny. I said, well, she lied. She misunderstood the voices. There's a lot of voices in the world. The Bible says to try the spirits, whether they be of God. I mean, voices can, the, the devil's free to tell me anything he wants. Uh, and the Holy Spirit's free to tell me anything he wants. That's two voices. And then I got my voice, which is my conscience. Or I don't know, when you talk to yourself, who are you talking to? And so there's a voice inside of you that talks and reasons, and discusses things. What's crazy about it, you discuss it like it's two people. What about you? I don't know. You think I should do that? I don't know if you should do that. I mean, what in the world? But if you think about talking to yourself, and so there's many voices in the world, many voices. Don't be quickly, or don't be too quick to believe any voice you hear. Try them against the Word of God to see if they're right. I've had a lot of people through the years come to me and say, God told me to tell you. I listen. If it's, in, if it's in harmony with the Word of God, I'm good with it. I'll say amen. Praise God. Amen. But if it's anything outside of the harmony of the Word of God, I'll say that's not God talking. I know that. That's the beauty of having the Bible. Take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. The, maybe one of the, the chapter that every born-again Christian is looking forward to. We are looking forward to when Jesus comes. And I want you to notice, we read last week, verses 11 through 16, and discuss. Uh, what would happen when he came. I'm talking, basically, what I'm going to be going over is what happens when Jesus comes. What, what are some of the results of Christ's coming? Well, one of the results of him coming is he's going to reveal himself and us and the angels to the world. If I may say, to the unbelieving world. The world does not believe. They think what we are doing here tonight is a figment of our imaginations that have been handed down and we are just blindly, idiotically following uh, a 35-year-old, 3,500-year-old book 
that we're, we're actually uh, uh, having that 3,500-year-old book somehow guide our lives. They think we are the fool of fools, and we are dangerous because we want them to live like we're living. And we believe that there's a thing and a place called hell. How crazy is that? That you would believe something like that. And how awful it is that you would say that what they're doing is wrong. That they just can't do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And, and, and you would have actual limits and rules uh, to your lives based on the word of God. But I want you to notice that Jesus comes back there uh, in verse 13. And his name is called the Word of God. Why I'm confident that the King James Bible is, is the complete representation of the received text in its entirety is because I know a little something of God. And I know that God has no problem uh, giving us a translation that represents his Word. He has no problem with that at all, that he preserved it Though, I'll be honest with you, I agree that if I told Dr. Gillespie a story about fishing and he told uh, Jalen, Jalen told the kids and the kids told Mama, it wouldn't get down to that end of the row and there'd be changes in it already. Significant changes. Because we humans cannot do well. We don't do well at reproducing, especially verbal stuff. But even if it's in writing, we don't. I can write something, have my secretary, and they'll change it and make it something else. How'd you do that? I don't know. Did I do that? Of course, you know, I'm, it's always my fault. I accept that. And uh, in verse 16, it says, He comes back as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. And we read verses 1 through 11 through 16. And we're looking forward to that because all of those disbelievers, all of those uh, God deniers are going to be muted. And they're going to actually more than just be muted they're going to turn and say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the King of Kings. You are the Word of God. It is all true. They will say it. Every person that's ever taken a cognizant thought will come and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. That is going to be such a good time. Why do I say it's a good time? It's not going to be good for them, but it's what it's going to be good for is the universe has been all tore up since the garden. There was total unity before man fell. Well, there was disunity, if I may say, with, that, with the Satan and his angels when they fell. And that began the disunity, I suppose, really. But as far as this world goes, it was when, it was when Adam disobeyed God that sin, the curse of sin fell on this place, and there's been death ever since, there's been destruction ever since. There's been misery ever since. There's been struggle ever since. There's been disappointment and depression and everything bad you can imagine ever since. Betrayal and everything else is, is because of sin. This old world has just been tore up generation to generation. The coming of Jesus Christ is the unifying of the world to where they'll all be on the same page by the grace of God. With one king. And his name is King Jesus. Well, let's read the verses 17 through uh, 21, and then I'll say a few things. I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God, that you may eat of the flesh of the kings and the flesh of the captains and the flesh of the mighty men, the flesh of the horses 
and of them that sat, sit, or should say, sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, and wrought miracles before him, which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which we know to be Christ. Which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. The word sword, biblically the sword is always represents or usually represents the sword, the word of God. Sword of the Spirit this morning is the word of God. And the sword out of his mouth is he's going to speak a word and they're going to be slain. Because whatever Jesus says happens. That's why the demons were nervous around him. They were nervous around him. And I think, I think uh, if, if you and I would have had any more, we were given a little insight by Christ, but when those old soldiers, those old Roman soldiers were mocking him and beating him and spitting on him and, you know, kicking him or whatever they were doing, and then they stretched him out on this cross and pulled his, joint, pulled his shoulders out of joint and nailed him down and laughed at him when he had pain and all of the other stuff and finally put him into the ground there and everything. He, the first words out of Jesus, Father, forgive them. I have a feeling Jesus was looking around there and there was Michael and Gabriel and they had their hand on their sword like this. Oh, just let me, just please let me, just let me at him. Just let me at him. Because they knew that Jesus was the creator of all that is, even themselves. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus created everything, visible, invisible. Whether it be thrones or dominions or powers or principalities, whether it be above the earth or on the earth or under the earth, Jesus created it all. Everything that Hubble's looking at, Jesus created. Imagine them whipping him like that, scourging him like that. How close they were to one word being uttered, the sword coming out of his mouth. But he held back. He held back. Why? Because he wanted you to be saved, wanted me to be saved. And I hope, I hope that old centurion got saved. Truly, this man was the son of God, he said. I hope that old boy got saved when he saw what he saw. So we saw, first of all, the result of the second coming was Jesus reveals himself. He reveals the saints and he reveals the angels. The second thing is he comes to judge the beast and the false prophet. Uh, we see in 2 Thessalonians, take your Bibles, if you would, just a short little Bible study here this, this evening. Um, just scripture, there's nothing better than going to scripture. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, 10 and 11. Then a few other passages, 2 Thessalonians 1. So we're going to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, maybe the clearest place in the New Testament about the beast and his false prophet, what happens to him. In verse 8 of chapter 2, it says, And then shall the wicked, and it really can, it's referring to the wicked one there, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. See, that's the sword coming out of his mouth. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Remember, God is light. And what is a laser? Concentrated light. You know what it can do. Even him whom coming is coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. That's the beast and the false prophet, of course. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish 
because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Why does anybody perish? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they may be saved. People are lost because they receive not the love of the truth that they may be saved. I think that's all that's saying. There's people that said, if you ever heard the gospel, you'll never be able to be saved after the rapture. I've never accepted it. I don't think that's what that teaches it. And I think it's scary to teach anything off of one verse like that, especially that one verse when it really just refers to people that aren't saved. And so people that persist in being unsaved and, and, and receive not the love of the truth, that they may be saved as the tribulation works on, they're not going to be saved. But there'll be, literally, the Bible says clearly that there'll be multitudes as, as, as a number of the sand of the sea without number saved during the tribulation period. There's going, to be, there's going to be people from every tongue, every tribe, every people, every nation saved. And don't we rejoice in that? I want people to be saved, man. I don't want them to be lost. I want them to be saved. God wants them to be saved. He's not willing any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God wants them to be saved, but they can't. They, they have to express repentance and faith in Christ only to be saved. They can't be saved by any amount of good works. They can't be hanging on to baptism. Can't be hanging on to church membership. Can't be hanging on to communion. Got to be hanging on to Christ and Him only for their salvation. And they're going to do that. They're going to be saved. We in the corner of our two-story building behind that piece of uh, marble is a time box in lead. The price of lead went up, so I thought somebody would bust in there and get it. But anyway... It's a lead box, basically. It's, it gives, oh, it's got our original roll in it and some Bibles and pictures and stuff like that, whatever the word that is. But, but the point being, it's got, it's got information in there. If somebody busts into that after the rapture, they could be saved on what they find in there. Amen? We thought about it. We thought, well, maybe, you know, after this whole thing's over, nobody will have a Bible. And they made a movie called The Book of Eli where there was no Bible left. The whole world was destroyed, and they were killing people trying to get the Bible. I thought, what a day that would be trying to kill people to get the Bible. But brother, you lose all your Bibles and you'll think you want a Bible. All the value of these Bibles all of a sudden be, woo, give me the Bible. Take your Bible also to 2 Thessalonians. Oh, well, excuse me, I didn't, I didn't finish what I was saying there. In verse 11, it says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. No doubt, because of the unbelief of the world, because of they've, they've castigated Jesus and they have turned away from him and they've insulted him, they use his name in vain. Uh, every every false religion is fine, but not Christianity. And there's a reason for that, because Christianity is the only true one. And it's the only one against the, all the other set of darkness. Of course, Christianity is targeted out <laughs> as being bad. And let's, let's put them in a corner somewhere where they can't hurt anybody. Well, someday that's going to be over. Uh, but, but after the rapture of the church, when all the church is gone, there's not one saved person. That won't last long. But when there's not one saved person, then God's going to send strong delusion on a group of people. I don't know who they are. He's going to send a strong delusion that they believe a lie. That group of people, will, when the, when the, when the false prophet comes by and says the beast is God, he is God of very God. He, he's the one that was planted here. From Maybe he's from another planet. I don't quite know what the lie is going to be. Uh, they're going to be able to call lightning down from heaven. going to be able to do tremendous miracles in front of these people. They're going to fall like sheep. They're going to say, he'll say, every, every one of you that are loyal to uh the beast that you believe he is God, I uh, want you to take a number on the back of your hand or in the forehead uh, that you're identified with him, that you're, who, you're, you're part of him. The Bible says people that take that number cannot, will not be saved. In fact, God knows in the beginning and the end, he already knows who's going to take that number, and he says their names were never written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's, that is strange. 
Their names were never written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They don't get their names blotted out. Their names never were written, period, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, that group of people that take that, they cannot be saved. It's not going to happen. Uh, then we see, we see Jesus comes as a judge and a warrior in the second coming. Now, we're not talking about the rapture, but it's the second coming. The second coming, as opposed to the rapture, the rapture comes. He comes from the clouds. Whoop, we go up with him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I believe that happens according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The rapture is going to be like that. But the second coming is going to take some time. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation that the sign of the Son of Man, the whole world will mourn when they see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. I don't know what that is. Nobody knows what the sign of the Son of Man is. Is it the cross coming? I mean, I don't know. The Bible says heaven opens. Heaven opens. And so there's a dimension that we're not able to see with, with our naked eye or the Hubble telescope or any of those that is going to open to the world. Now, one old boy explained it this way. Every eye shall see him. The world spins around one time in 24 hours. The coming of Jesus Christ may take over 24 hours as he comes. There's no time set on that. He starts coming, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and the world spins one time. Everybody in the whole world looks up into heaven, the dark sky, and they see the face. By the way, they see the face of the Son of Man. Somehow they know who he is. Somehow they know it's Jesus. The Bible says they hide, their, they hide themselves. Hide me from the face of him that come. They want, to, they want to seek out caves. They want to seek out places because they know that all hell's getting ready to break loose on them. If you don't believe it, then let's read this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Now, maybe you're here tonight as a Christian. You are troubled. This is a comforting passage for the saved that are under persecution especially. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. We can go back to... Revelation chapter 19, and we can read that, and we say that's what he's talking about, that second coming of Christ. In flaming fire. So we also can get a little insight into when he's coming back, he's coming back in flaming fire. Now, years ago, my wife and I were driving late at night, 2, 3 in the morning, outside Chicago. It was pitch black. And I looked up in the sky, and there was this flaming fire, a big ball of fire. I mean, just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Kept. You could see the flames coming out of the side of it. I thought they are going to nuke us. Here it goes. And, and it comes down, comes down, comes down, and then hit, hit the ground somewhere. And I asked somebody that knew stuff about uh, that. He said, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. If you saw that, it was a meteor that made it all the way to the ground, all the way through the atmosphere to the ground. Now, I just, I just learned this afternoon that there are thousands and thousands of meteors that make it all the way down to the ground. You can go out a place, I think it was in Arizona, with a metal detector, and you can literally go to this one place and find pieces of meteorites, which are evidently metal because the metal detector picks them up. And you can do them, put them around your neck, good luck charm and all that, you superstitious bunch. But anyway, he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance. No more Lamb of God. No more little sweet Jesus. No more baby in the manger. No more wouldn't break a reed. No more won't defend himself. No more will. No more getting. No more getting smacked, spit upon, or beaten. Taking vengeance on them that who that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in his saints 
and to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony was among you was believed in that day. So that's what's happening. He's coming back to judge the beasts and the false prophet as they seem like they're running wild, controlling the earth. In fact, of the beasts, the world says, who can make war with the beast? Well, I'll tell you who, Jesus Christ. Who can overcome the darkness? Jesus Christ. When he comes back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God. This whole transvestite homosexual thing, this whole immorality thing that we're going around, this whole abortion thing that we're seeing going on, this whole violence thing of killing people and cutting their heads off, all of that is going to stop. All of that is going to stop and so much more. And it'll be over. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's what God's going to do. So the second thing he's going to do is he's going to judge the beast of false prophet. Thirdly, the result of the second coming is he's going to bind Satan. The third result of Christ's second coming is he's going to bind our old arch enemy called the dragon, called the serpent, called Satan, called 14 different names in the Bible. He's going to be finally bound. Why? Giving earth and Israel a chance to serve God unhindered. As long as the devil's running loose, you can't serve God unhindered. Taking away the excuse that people have, the devil made me do it. He's going to be gone because he's going to be bound in a place called the abyss for a thousand years. The third reason is that Jesus Christ is going to bind him and come back. One of the purposes of the second coming is to control Satan and to limit him is fulfilling the promise to Israel of peace and prosperity in their promised land. I get a kick out of these people who think God's done with Israel. I mean, how can they be reading the same Bible? You're going to say, what do you mean, preacher? Oh, they're smart people. Well, they may be smart people, but they got this all wrong because we're going to read it, and you're fairly smart folks, and you read it for yourself what you think here in a moment. But 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 through Abraham and, and uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15, God said, I'm going to give you Abraham. I'm going to give you the land. And he named the land and gave him the boundaries eventually and all of that. And he said, I'm going to raise up your seed. Look to the stars of heaven if you can number them. He said, because I'm going to, I'm going to multiply your seed without number. And he's done that and doing that, right? And then he says, I'm going to rule over you. I'm going to be your God and you shall be my people, saith the Lord. So the promise was threefold. It was that he would, be, he would give the children of Israel of Abraham. He would give them the land called Palestine. Uh, and the boundaries of it, that he would he would multiply them and that he would uh, be their God and they would be his people. Uh, in Revelation chapter 20, we find this and verse 1 following. If you want to turn there, I'll read it. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And God, the God of peace, oh, oh excuse me, I'm going to stop there. Uh, what, you say, there's a whole group, you know, be honest with you, it's just amazing to me, as growing up in Christianity and, and studying and going to school, that there could be a group of people that would deny that there's going to be a millennium, called all millennialism. And, and, and then there's a group of people that are, that are post-millennial. I mean, that Christ coming back at the end, wait a minute, he's the king of the whole thing. Without him, there is no millennium. 
And the millennium just simply means 1,000, 1,000 years. It's mentioned over and over again in chapter 20, I think some five different times. It's mentioned there'll be a 1,000. Now, look, if God's literal in everywhere else he speaks, why isn't he literal in Revelation chapter 20, right? If he's literal about the first six days of creation, he's going to be literal about the 1,000 years over here. But now, if you give that up and say, well, God's speaking symbolically, ooh, you got a real problem because as soon as you start allegorically interpreting the scripture, then it cannot be repeated. What you think it ought to say maybe is one thing, what you think is something else, what I think is something else. But if you take the Bible in its literal sense, in its normal sense, like you would take a physics book or a biology book, that when you read it, uh, you have to come to these conclusions. And these conclusions are repeatable generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation, all the way back to the beginning uh, of the Jesus and, and the disciples, uh, those things have been repeated all the way, and, and the, we believe the same today. If you look up the early fathers, they believe what I'm preaching tonight. It was somewhere between me and the early fathers, they got off into that amillennialism, they got off into denying the, the word of God, they, got, they began to deny Jesus was virgin born, they began to deny the miracles of the Old Testament, they began to deny, 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 and delete, by the way, all their new Bibles. It should, it should alarm you as a Christian that the most liberal denominations that don't believe in the virgin birth, that don't believe in the second coming, that don't believe in the, in the rapture of the church, that don't believe in the millennium that's coming, that, that don't believe in the miracles, they don't believe Jonah was swallowed by way, they don't believe Noah had an ark, they don't believe any of that stuff, they just believe there's general good teachings that may be helpful in the Bible somewhere, that every one of them keep using these new versions of the Bible. They love them. And every 10 years, they switch to another one. And every 10 years, they switch to another one. Every 10 years, they switch to another one. And they have no certain Bible, that they, and they have no specificity, and they have no exactness. Why? They don't believe. But I believe there is an exact God. I believe he has very, very, in fact, even to the jot and tittle, even to the period and the cross of a T, God says not one of those things will be will fall to the ground, but all of them will be fulfilled. makes sense to me that the God who made the leaf, the God who made the human cell with 250 amino acids that got to line up, that may be a test question, 250 amino acids that got to line up, the old Darwin, that dummy, thought that was the simplest thing, that the human, the, a cell was one of the simplest organisms when it's one of the more complicated of all the organisms. They didn't know about DNA. They didn't know about all them strands and all them other same substances. They didn't know about all that. It's because our God, we still don't know a lot about our God. There's a whole lot about creation, a whole lot about things we still don't know about. Oh, we get so cocky with our knowledge. Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says, The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Amen. It's going to bruise him. One of the functions of the second coming is to deal with Satan. Ooh, it's been a long time. I can tell you, God is a God of patience. He's a lot more patient than I'd ever be, I'll guarantee you. Boy, is he patient. Uh, you know, the demons, like I mentioned earlier, even understood this whole thing. I'm not going to go to all the different places, and I could probably go to the like eight different places in the New Testament where demons directly spoke to Jesus. 
One of them in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29 says, And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? They're more reverent. Demons from hell are more reverent than most people. Thou Son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? That means they had, you learn a few things. Number one, they know there's a time coming that they're going to be tormented, and they knew it wasn't then. So they actually must be have told, they must have somehow know that it wasn't yet, it was in the future. And when they saw Jesus, they thought, whoa, 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 the timetable been moved up on this? Uh, are you come here to take us and to cast us into the abyss or cast us into a place called where we know we're going to go? What did the demons at the Gadarene maniacs say? Oh, don't cast us into the abyss. Don't cast us. Let us go over there into them old uh, uh, American hogs over there. Them, uh, uh, Hirsch, uh, I can't think of the name of that. Uh, uh, what's a couple names of some hogs? Big ones. Golds. Gold, uh, uh, I can't remember. I got my hand put. Yorkshires, Yorkshires, that's it. Yorkshire, that's some Yorkshires over there. Put us in them old Yorkshires over there. One time I'm hunting pigs, I'm in my tree stand. I see this pig go by, he's got that stripe down the middle like this, got no hair. Now wild pigs in Florida, they all got hair and they got no stripe, they're all different colors, they're modded all over, Motley, and a lot of them are just solid black. And I'm up there hunting hogs, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I see this this what I call fancy pig go by. I mean, you know he's a domestic pig. You know, he's got pedigree. He's got, he's got engineering in him. I mean, I didn't shoot him. I thought, well, he'll be good seed for these wild hogs. That's probably what they do. They, they, they seed the wild hog population with some of these, some of these uh, uh, fancy hogs, you know. Pretty soon you see a wild hog, he's got a stripe down to him. I thought, oh, there, he got around, I guess. But even the demon understood who Jesus was. And they understood that there's coming a time. Now look, what, what, what comfort this gives us. This world, I mean, if you're as tormented as I am, I am soul sick day after day after day after day at the, the deeds of the people around me. I, 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 in some degree, I feel like lot. I'm tormented at the ungodly deeds of the folks I live with. I'm tormented by homosexuals. I'm tormented by transvestites. I'm tormented by transgenders. I went to, I went to some office and there was a magazine out in the main office and I, it looked like a pretty girl. It was Sports Illustrated. It wasn't a swimsuit edition. But there was a, a picture of it. it looked like a fairly pretty girl on there. And of course, you know, I mean, I had to check it out. I looked down at the magazine there and I said, Bruce Jenner? It was Bruce Jenner. What are you doing dressed up like a girl? He's an ugly girl, too. Flat out ugly as a fence post. 
And they were like praising Bruce Jenner for coming out of the closet and being so brave and being so, and being so expressive. And I'm like, my soul was tormented in my heart when I saw that. What in the world is going on? You young people, you better shore yourselves up against this time of evil. God forbid it ever come out of your mouth. That's just an alternate lifestyle. The demons themselves know that there's coming a time when all of those things are going to be judged and when there will be a time when their, their deeds will be judged and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. Jesus comes back and he binds with his mouth. He binds the beast. He binds the false prophet. The Bible says he takes them and he don't even give them a trial. He casts them alive into the lake of fire, brother. They bypass the great white. They bypass. They get cast alive. And they're alive. And they'll be alive after that. The Bible says they'll be tormented in the 14th chapter of Revelation. You read it. The Bible says they'll be tormented day or night without rest. You said, you're making hell to be what it's not. No, I'm not. In fact, the Bible probably doesn't describe a whole bunch of it. But what it does describe tells me nobody wants to go there. Nobody in their right mind would go to hell. There's no partying in hell. There's no, there's, you're not even going to recognize anybody else in hell. It's going to be pitch black. Total darkness. Why? God's light. I was thinking of Jesus this week. I was meditating a little bit about Jesus being here. He's light. and He comes in the midst of us. It had to torment his soul. If my soul is tormented by the ungodly behavior of the people around me, how much was Jesus? How much? The Bible says he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The Bible doesn't picture Jesus as oh happy, happy, happy. And you can make, it makes sense to me. Read read, read Isaiah fifty three. Read it because not only was he coming to bear all of our sins, but he had to put up with them for thirty three years. Uh, living among, while well, some of you, some of you are so 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 sensitive here tonight that if you see somebody throw up, you throw up. If you smell roadkill, you throw up. If somebody goes by you with perspiration, you throw up. I mean, some of you are sensitive. I mean, some of you are sensitive. If you see something a little gross, or if you smell something a little gross, or if you taste something, you bite into a sandwich here, a sandwich, and hear a little crunch, and look in there, and there's half a roach. You throw up, puke. I told you the story when I grabbed my don't do not leave your water container in your truck without the lid. I leave my I left mine in there for years, grabbed that thing one day, going down the road, took a big hunk and what like that. And then when I did that, I felt something up under my skin. And I felt it moving. Well, rather than try to reach in there and grab it, I just opened my mouth. I went, and it just walked out on the outside of my face. Big old roach, big old palmetto bug about like that. I'll agree, I stopped the truck. But I didn't throw up. I was just spitting and spitting and spitting, trying to get out, thinking, man, I cleaned him up real good with. And then I swallowed that. I mean, it's only a mercy of God I didn't swallow the whole thing. Imagine Jesus walking among us. It was worse than that. Why? Light. God is light. And darkness is what Jesus said when they're beating on him and hurting him and Pharisees are accusing him. He said, this is your hour. This is your hour. 
and the hour of darkness. I just meditated on that, rolled that over my mind all week. This is your hour. You know what I say to Hillary? This is your hour. And this is the hour of darkness. You know what I say to the whole Democratic Party who wants to abort, has, has, has had their hand in aborting 66 million children? This is your hour. And this is the hour of darkness. But bless God, there's coming where it ain't going to be your hour. And just like Jesus put, went through and sustained the horror of the cross, but accepted the, re the resurrection by the Father, sealing him as the Son of God, brother, he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The comfort. All the wrong is going to someday be righted. Wow. Then he'll say, this is my hour. And this is the hour of light. No more darkness hour. This is my hour. And the hour. That's what the second coming is. It's Jesus' hour. And the hour of light. God help us to live. The Bible says, he that hath this hope within him. Purifieth himself even as he is pure. In looking at for the coming of Jesus Christ, it should help you stand back away from the temptations of this old dark world. It should help you to be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. You're not going to be able to indulge in a lot of things those old people out, those old those folks out there are doing. You're not going to be able to go to their wild dances. Not going to be able to listen to their wild music. Not going to be able to wear their wild clothes. Not going to be able to enjoy their wild movies. Not going to be able to enjoy the sin that is is but for a season. If you want to be right with God and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. But boy, it won't be long. Or it's not going to be their hour anymore. I don't know what's going to happen this next election. But I know whatever happens is still their hour. And the hour of darkness. Someday, by the grace of God, Jesus is coming again. I'm an old preacher up here talking about this in 2016. I never thought I'd see 2000. As a kid, in third grade, I looked at this date and said, there never in the world will I ever live to the year 2000. How many thought that? Three of us? I mean, I just said it's too far. It's never going to happen. It's just that's too far away. Here we are 16 years past Y2K. Remember Y2K? That's when I bought a bunch of toilet paper and paper towels. You buy, you buy cash, you, you store cash, you store guns, but you'll come to me. And trust me, a roll of that stuff will be worth a lot. Father, help us tonight. May the Lord Jesus help us. To keep our eye in the sky. The Bible consistently and constantly points us up, 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 up. Look up. Keep your affections, set your affections on things above. Lift up your eyes, look under the fields. Over and over in the Bible says, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes. Oh, God, help us to lift up our eyes. Maybe some folks in here tonight, oh, desperately discouraged. Things have gone wrong, things have turned against you, but... Have the comfort that Jesus Christ loves you and he's looking out for you. Trust him, trust him, trust him. 
and obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obey it. Don't get caught up in the darkness of what's around you. Help us, Father, to be the soul and the light you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.